Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, my NBA Finals recap. Going to recap all that went on in those playoffs there. Also, other news, some coaching news, some player situations, and a whole lot of other stuff as well. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we are back. Your boy GD with the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. And we are going to do our recap of the NBA Finals. Everything is said and done now, guys. So we're going to get into that. But first, I want to hit some other news before I go to the recap. So we'll cover that and then we'll circle back to the NBA Finals. So let's get into it. Let's talk about coaching news. Firstly, during the NBA Finals, Rick Adelman was named the 2023 Chuck Daly Lifetime Achievement Award winner. So, he even made fun of it, talking about you must have ran out of guys to choose for this. But, Rick Adelman, in his own right, he was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2021. He started out as an assistant coach in Portland for six years under the great Dr. Jack Ramsey. So he was there six years before he became the official head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. And those were the teams. You had Clyde Drexler on there, Terry Porter, Buck Williams, Jerome Kersey, and all those guys there. So he was there. Then he moved on to other places like Golden State. Sacramento Kings, Houston Rockets, and his last coaching stop was at the Minnesota Timberwolves. 23 years total as a head coach, 1,042 wins, that puts him 10th all-time among all head coaches, and he lost 749 games, so that gives him a win percentage of 58.2% win percentage. Two-time Western Conference champ. Two times his teams won 60 games or more. Eight times his teams won 50 games and more. He was a Coach of the Year runner-up four times. Pretty substantial resume for Rick Adelman. Didn't win the championship, but he got his teams there in the hunt. So, And currently his son David is an assistant coach ironically enough, with the Denver Nuggets. So, that's that bit of news. Frank Vogel named the next Phoenix Suns head coach. He signed to a five-year deal at $31.25 million. So, eight years he was an assistant in places like Boston, Philly, and Indiana. And he's the former head coach of the Indiana Pacers, Orlando Magic and most recently with the Los Angeles Lakers. He has the one championship he won. He won that in the bubble year. His overall record guys 431 wins against 389 losses so that gives him a 52.6 win percentage. 
and he coached for 11 years. So Frank Vogel is now the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. I'll talk about the Phoenix Suns a little bit more when I get to this news item. And then you have Monty Williams. Monty Williams, he's now the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. He was given a six-year deal at $78.5 million. So, big-time money to turn that program around. He was five years of assistant coach in places like Portland. Also in spots like OKC, as well as with the Sixers under Doc Rivers. He coached for nine years. He has... 367 wins against 336 losses. So that gives him win percentage of 52.2%. He's coached at New Orleans, who later would become the New Orleans from the Hornets to the Pelicans, and then most recently the Phoenix Suns. One time in his coaching stint, he's gotten his team to the Western Conference championship and won it and got him into the finals and just last year guys he was named coach of the year so Matt Ishbia relieved Monty Williams of his duties and Detroit wisely pounced on the chance of getting a Monty Williams into their program so and then the last bit of news Toronto was the last place that had a coaching vacancy and there to hire Memphis Grizzlies assistant coach Darko Rajakovic as their next head coach. He was assistant over there under Taylor Jenkins. Now he gets the head coaching job for the Raptors. He spent 10 years as an assistant head coach from the likes of the G League all the way up to the NBA. And he too spent a time or two as assistant head coach with Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns. So this is a guy who's, you know, been around. So he gets the head coaching job. So we'll see what he does with those Raptors. And then you have assistant head coaches being hired. One of which is Sam Cassell joining Joe Mazzula's staff over there in Boston. And my question is... Sam Cassell, it seems like he's been an assistant coach for so many years. Why hasn't anybody given him a head coaching job yet? Uh, I don't know if I can answer that, but here's a guy with a wealth of experience as far as being an assistant head coach. You would think one day he'd get the chance to be a head coach. Maybe that will come, but Sam Cassell going to Boston to coach under Joe Mazzula. So that's your coaching news, guys. So let's move on to the next item. Kyrie Irving recruits LeBron to join him in Dallas. <laughs> oh, the Kyrie is something else, man. Well, you know he was at the Lakers-Denver Nuggets series, setting front court. So he wasn't there for him to be recruited. He was there to recruit LeBron. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is too much. So here's my question. Where does that leave Luka Doncic if we were to say the Lakers would entertain trading LeBron to Dallas? Where would that leave Luka at? And if I'm Luka, I'm like, what are we doing here? I understand LeBron is a once in a lifetime talent. Who wouldn't want to play with him? Would he fit? Yeah, probably so. But 
then you have three guys that need the ball in their hand. Three of them instead of the two you had when he had Russell Westbrook over there with the Lakers. So that would be oh so clunky. And I would feel for Jason Kidd to have to deal with that. That's for sure. So first of all, Kyrie, you need to sign your deal before you start recruiting people. I'm just saying. So anyhow, I just thought that was a very funny bit of news. So. So let's move on to the next item. The Phoenix Suns to waive Chris Paul. Chris Paul, of course, he has two more years left on his deal at $61.6 million. Suns owner Matt Ishbia, he's not trying to go there. Team already has a depth problem and they're top heavy when it comes to paying guys like Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. Don't forget you still have DeAndre Ayton on the books, although you're hearing a lot of overtures that he's going to be moved. So Chris Paul, it's one of two things, an outright wave or a wave and stretch. With an outright wave, they can certainly bring him back at a lower salary. If it's a wave and stretch, they can't bring him back at all. So right now, they're talking about if this were to happen, because it's still being talked about, the landing places for Chris Paul, you hear places like the Lakers, of course, he's friends with LeBron James. And then the Los Angeles Clippers, a team who he's well familiar with, being that he once played for the Clippers. So Steve Ballmer knows him well, the owner over there. You heard other places. Here's a place that hasn't been mentioned. Miami could use them, but they would be kind of in the same dilemma that they're in now with Kyle Lowry and not knowing how much is left in the tank for him. And he's getting paid a lot of money. And then, of course, you know, they're mentioning the Knicks, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I would say those two L.A. spots would probably be the spots I would pay more attention to than anywhere else. All right. So that's that bit of news. And of course, with the Knicks. Knicks are trying to get everybody. Now, the latest one I heard, Alan Hahn, love him, love his work. He threw out the name Bradley Beal, who's getting a huge chunk of money from the Washington Wizards. The problem with Bradley Beal, number one is the money. It's a great deal of money. You have to give up. You're going to have to trade draft capital, obviously. Young talent as well. And the thing is, he's injury prone, guys. I, I can't sugarcoat that. He is injury prone. So if you're to do that, I mean, it's a huge roll of the dice. It really is. I don't know if Leon Rhodes goes there. Let me just put it that way. So, Allen, you know, it sounds nice in theory, a backcourt of Beal and Jalen Brunson. But idealistically, I don't think it comes to fruition. So that's my thought on that. Alright, so that's that bit of news. Then we go to John Morant. Oh boy. John Morant's camp now is saying that the gun that's in the second Instagram live video, it was a toy gun. Oh man. If that was the case, why didn't y'all just say that from the top? As soon as the video came out, look, it's a toy gun. Boom. The fact that you waited and waited, that's not a good look. Not a good look whatsoever. So, of course, the investigation is being done. You know, the league is investigating. 
and actually Commissioner Adam Silver said his punishment will come down after the finals. So the finals are over. So I would say in the coming weeks, I would say after the probably after the draft, I don't expect him to announce anything right now. I would say after the draft, maybe between the draft and free agency, something may come down the pike in terms of uh, punishment, if I were to guess. But it could happen after the free agency period. So, But if I were to guess, I would say after the draft, before free agency. That's my thought. So. But all around, it's, it's, it's not good. I think the suspension is going to be a long one. My gut says a half a season. I don't think it'll be a full season. I think it will be half a season. So we'll see what happens there. So John Moran, huh, that's it. I'll, I'm done with that. So anyhow, all right. So and then this last piece of news, this is WNBA related. Brittany Griner gets approached and harassed by a social media, I'm using air quotes here, provocateur at a Dallas airport. Let me lay it out. Brittany Griner, she comes into town. She's from Texas, by the way, guys. So she comes into Dallas to play the Dallas Wings on the road. You know, the road crowds have been pretty much been receptive, warm and receptive to BG. And, you know, rightfully so. And she also went to her alma mater, Baylor, and they just celebrated her there. They loved on her. So, you know, it was it was a nice thing that they did over there for BG. All in all, it was a Texas love fest for the most part. Until we get to the Dallas airport and her team is flying out to go to Indiana. So this person... I'm not even going to mention his name because I'm not even going to give him that type of recognition. He goes up to her and says all these things. But let me actually circle back because I want to talk about the WNBA itself. There has been a shift in terms of seeing the WNBA as public enemy number one in certain camps. It's kind of started... Probably back about six years ago when you had the killing of Philando Castile in Minnesota. So the Minnesota Lynx, they protested that. So much so that it angered police. It angered the security there. But they were standing for injustice. From that to a few years later, 2020, we fast forward there. And the Atlanta Dream is calling out a part owner who is a Georgia senator at the time, Kelly Loeffler. So much so that they wanted her to sell her portion of the team. And also they campaigned against her. So you have that dynamic. And then you fast forward from that to the league as a whole basically protesting the killing of George Floyd. So you have all this combination of things. So social media has social media. I think it's going to be the death of all society, which seems crazy for me to say, since you're probably listening to this on social media or some platform or so forth. So now on social media, you go to these WNBA sites, these groups, you'll get these yahoos talking all this stuff about them and so forth, of which, you know, I read it. I'm appalled by some of the stuff that's said. 
of course, they will say, oh, the NBA props them up and so forth. Here's a little fun fact, though. Only five of the 12 teams are owned by NBA owners. So if that's the case, how is the league propping them up? I'm just saying. That's my question there. But I digress. Let me get back to the issue itself. So this jerk goes and takes it upon himself to approach BG at the airport. He says all these vile and disgusting things. I'm not even going to repeat some of the stuff he said. Of course, talking about the Merchant of Venice, why we traded him for BG, and all these things he tries to say in front of our face. So, let us be clear. People like this disgust me. They really do. Here it is, BG sitting in that Russian jail cell, having to deal with all that BG had to deal with over there. Is you gotta have some kind of empathy for the situation that BG was in, but not these people. They're unhinged. They're off the rails, and you you can't even talk sense to these people. I say. If possible, he should be sued for harassment. That's for sure, because you got it on video and so forth. And one of these days, those type of people will get their comeuppance. I'll just say that and leave it at that. So, But the whole situation as a whole was disgusting. And it brings up the fact of what do we do now in terms of travel? Uh, me and my boy D was talking about this too. About the chartered flights and so forth. It comes down to money. Are these owners willing to, in this league, willing to invest in chartered flights for these players? This way, you know, it gives them a sense of safety, not only just security-wise, but health-wise. So that is a large question. I don't know the answer to it, but I know something has to be done at this point because who's to stop the next idiot from attacking and addressing any player in that regard? So I think that's something the league really has to hone in on and do it very soon. So that's my take on that. So, all right. So that is all the news prior to me talking about the NBA Finals. Now let us talk about the finals itself, guys. So the number one seed, the Denver Nuggets, take on the number eight seed coming out of the East, the Miami Heat. So let's look at game one. Game one, you have Denver winning 104 to 93, a game in which they were leading big at halftime, 59 to 42. And the difference in the game, guys, really was the field goal percentage. Denver shot it over 50% at 50.6. And Miami, only 40.6% from the field. So that's not going to get it done, guys. That's for sure. Especially when you got guys like Khalid Martin and Matt Struess shooting a combined one of seven from the field. Whew, man, that's hard. In that game, Nikolai Jokic, the Joker, of course, 27 points for him, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Shot it 8 for 12 from the field. Went to the free throw line 12 times. Hit 10. Jamal Murray, his reclamation story is looking so good right now. 26 points for him. 10 assists and 6 rebounds in that game. For Miami, Jimmy Butler didn't have the greatest of starts. That's for sure. Only 13 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. 
Bam, out of Bayou had a fantastic game with 26 points, along with 13 rebounds, 5 assists. So, But you need more from your other guys. So I've been saying that. I said that when I did the preview. So you're going to need other guys to step up. Gabe Vincent had a decent game in that one, but not enough to get the win. Game two, this is the game that surprised me, guys. Miami gets the win in Denver, 111-108. Denver gets their first home loss in the entire playoffs. And it started opening people's eyes saying, oh, maybe this will go seven. You know, started to question and doubt the Denver Nuggets. And in that game, oddly enough, Denver led at the half 57-51. As far as the field goal percentage, actually it was in Denver's favor. 52% for them. 48.74 Miami. The difference, though, was the three-point shooting. Miami shot at 47.6% from three-point range. So, that's fantastic. Denver shot at 39.3%. So, basically, Miami made six more three-point shots than Denver. So, you're talking about an 18-point swing right there. And, oh, by the way, in that first game, Miami only went to the line two times, guys. As opposed to Denver, they actually went to the line about 20 times. So, so you had that disparity. But, game two, in this one, Gabe Vincent led the way for Miami. He had 23 points, three assists, two steals. Shot it well. Jimmy Butler and Bam out of Bayou, 21 points each. Jimmy had 9 assists and 4 rebounds. Bam had 9 rebounds, 4 assists. And for the losing side, the Joker, 41 points for him. He had a monster game, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. And Jamal Murray, just 18 points. Not a standard game for him. So they lose a close game at Denver. So that was the one that shocked me. So the scene shifts to Miami, guys. Game three goes to the Denver Nuggets. They went on the road 109 to 94 in a game where the real difference, guys, well, few differences nonetheless, the rebounding. Denver out rebounded them 58 to 33. They shot it from the field better 51.3% against Miami's 37%. And the three point shooting. Oddly enough, it goes to Miami at 31.4% as opposed to Denver going 5 for 18 from three-point range. But nonetheless, the team gets to win, and they make history, by the way, guys. The Joker, 32 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, and add in two blocks. Jamal Murray, 34 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds. So they become the first duo in the NBA Finals to record a triple double. Talk about making history here. And then you had the rookie Christian Brown coming off the bench for 15 points, 7 of 8 shooting. So this kid, when called upon, he's been playing good. So to be on the road and to put up that kind of performance, that says a lot about this kid, that's for sure. And then for the Miami side, Jimmy Butler has a good game. 28 points, 4 assists for him. Bam out of Bayou, 20 points for him. Didn't shoot it all that well. 
but did have 17 rebounds. So he had half of the team's rebounds, more than half, to be honest, because he only had 33 rebounds total. So that's your game three. Now Denver has gotten back the home court advantage by winning on the road. Let us shift to game four. And in game four, Denver gets the win in that one. 108 to 95. The story of this game, Aaron Gordon. I'll get to him in a minute. It's a game in which Denver was winning at the half, winning by four. Field goal percentage, a slight advantage for Denver there, but it was the three-point shooting that really saved Denver. They shot it 50% from three, as opposed to Miami's 32%. Free throws pretty much even. Denver missed five of 21, whereas Miami only missed three of 20 free throws. Aaron Gordon had the game of his life. 27 points. He shot at 11 for 15, guys. It was just sensational. Seven rebounds, six assists for him. The Joker, you know, 23 points. He didn't shoot it all that well by his standards. 12 rebounds, four assists, three blocks, and three steals. So you'd like to see the Joker really filling up the stat sheet. And Bruce Brown off the bench, on the road. 21 points for him. He shot it great. Had four rebounds. Jamal Murray had a horrible game shooting from the field. Did end up with 15 points, 12 assists, and three rebounds. So you'd like to see at least he's dishing it out and getting guys their shots. So, And on the losing side, Jimmy Butler. Another pretty good game. 25 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Bam out of Bayou, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. And then Kyle Lowry from the bench, 13 points and 7 assists for him. So now you have Denver with a commanding 3-1 lead, winning both games in Miami. Oh, by the way, if you're a Miami Heat fan, I'm sure you're not too happy. They lost 4 games straight in Miami, going back to the Boston series. So, if you're a fan paying all that money that you got to pay for the playoff seats there, you are not a happy camper, that's for sure. So, 4 games straight in the playoffs, that is, that, that's just bad. So, we shift back to Denver. Can Miami pull off the impossible and come back from a 3-1 deficit? That wasn't to be, guys. Game 5, in a tight game, in an ugly game, pretty much, Denver gets the win, 94-89. to A game in which, and this is actually the first game that Denver trailed at the half, 51-44, to Miami led at the half. But, again, rebounding. Denver with 57, Miami only with 44. And, of course, the shooting from the field, Denver at 45.2%, which is substandard for them, but I guess you'll take it at this point. And Miami only 34.4% from the field. Wow. Whew, man. That's, that's rough. The three-point shooting was atrocious across the board. I won't even talk about that aspect. And then Denver was terrible from the free throw line. They missed 10 of their free throws. That's not good. So this really could have been a bigger win for them if they hit some of their free throws. But nonetheless, the Joker shows up in the last game, and he has a fantastic game. 
28 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists. Michael Porter Jr., there was a Michael Porter Jr. sighting, guys. 16 points, 13 rebounds for him, and 3 assists. Jamal Murray didn't have such a great shooting game, but the all-around numbers are good. 14 points, 8 assists, 8 rebounds. And on the losing side, Jimmy Butler, 21 points. He shot it 5 for 18 from the field, guys. You know, people going to pile on and talk about him shooting that bad from the field. 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 3 steals. And then, bam, 20 points, 12 rebounds for him. So, he scores 20 in just about every game, bam, does. So, really can't hang blame on him, that's for sure. So, Miami wins the finals, four games to one. Denver's road to the finals. They beat the number eight seed, Minnesota Timberwolves, four games to one. The number four seed, the Phoenix Suns, four games to two. The number seven seed, the Los Angeles Lakers, they swept them. And then Miami, they win four games to one. So less than four losses in the series, guys. So that's pretty commanding stuff, that's for sure. So they go 16-4 and for the playoffs. That's fantastic, guys. Your series MVP, who else could it be but the Joker himself, Nikolai Jokic. He averaged in this series over 30 points per game, 14 rebounds, and over 7 assists, along with 1.4 blocks. He shot it for the series, guys, 58.3% from the field. Doesn't take a lot of threes, but when he takes them, he's pretty efficient. And then 83.8% from the free throw line. Denver gets their first NBA championship and their first championship since 1976 when they were in the ABA. That's the Dan Issel, David Thompson days there. And Mike Malone, he gets his first championship as a head coach. Mike Malone, the son of Brendan Malone, another longtime assistant coach, Brendan Malone. He served in a variety of areas there. Mike Malone, 10 years as assistant head coach, started out as assistant head coach with the New York Knicks, my New York Knicks. He went to places like Cleveland as well. He also went to New Orleans, was assistant under Monty Williams. So he was assistant under Lenny Wilkins, Mike Brown when he was in Cleveland, Monty Williams, and also... Golden State, where he was assistant under Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, of course, with ESPN in the booth there. So, with that said, his coaching resume, 10 years total, 2 years with Sacramento before being fired from there. And then he goes to Denver. And Sacramento, he didn't do too bad, but he got kind of a bum rap there. So Denver hires them. Eight years later, they have their championships. So patience and perseverance pays off. The Joker, of course, you know his story, second round pick. No one saw this coming, that's for sure. Two-time league MVP, and now he has his first championship as a player and finals MVP as well. So, And then we got to talk about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. These are guys who last year had to sit out. Jamal Murray had the torn ACL. He had to deal with that. 
Then you have Michael Porter Jr., who started out the year last year, but the back issues was just too much, and he sat most of last year. So you had these guys here working their way back into the lineup and back into the system. For the most part, they played well. Michael Porter didn't shoot it all that great in this series, guys. So you have to wonder, having a prolonged playoff run didn't do wonders for his back. So I'll be interested to see how his offseason goes because they're locked into him for the next few years over there. So Michael Porter Jr., I'll be watching that situation there. Then you have a guy like Aaron Gordon who spent most of his years over there with the Orlando Magic. Did a lot of losing over there, that's for sure. And then he gets traded in a midseason trade to Denver last season, in fact. So this is his first full season. And I tell you what, he sacrificed his game. And he had a very good year, very good year on the low guys. But that game four performance, wow, that says a lot about him. And now he's an NBA champion. So kudos to Aaron Gordon. And then, of course, you got the old heads over there. Oh, and then also Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who gets his second championship. He got one in the bubble with those Lakers in 2020, so this is his second one. And then you got the old heads, guys like Jeff Green, who's been around the league. DeAndre Jordan, who, you know, he had to start with the Clippers, and he's bounced around since then. And then Ish Smith, who's been on, they say, 13 teams, for crying out loud. So, talk about a guy who's really bounced around. So, Ish Smith, he gets a ring. And Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, who was cut by the Clippers, by the way. And then the Denver Nuggets pick him up. All these older guys getting their rings. So, you like to see that, that's for sure. And that's what Jokic and Murray was talking about. Getting these older guys their rings. So... Now they have them, and it's got to feel good. So, with that said, the Denver Nuggets, their salary for next year, right now it stands at $68.3 million. So, they're in pretty much good shape, that's for sure. In terms of free agents, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, who had a fantastic series. He has a player option at $6.8 million. I think he definitely opts out and becomes an unrestricted free agent. Does he want to come back to Denver in that culture there or take his talents elsewhere? We'll see what happens. I actually talked about him when I did the Nick recap. That's a guy who's going to get some substantial money, guys. And remember where he's come from. He was in that situation with the Nets with the Kyrie, with Kevin Durant, and even there when they had Harden. So he was in that situation there. For him to come over to Denver and see a non-toxic environment, as opposed to what he saw in Brooklyn, you got to definitely take your hat off to him. But I think he will become a free agent. Where he ends up, I'll be interested to see that. Also, the older players that I mentioned, they're all free agents. Jeff Green, Ish Smith. DeAndre Jordan, Thomas Bryant, who came in a midseason trade, and also Reggie Jackson, who I mentioned earlier. So all those guys are free agents. So your core is still there, guys. That's for sure. So Denver, who knows? Maybe they run it back. We'll see. So that's the Denver story there. And then shout out to that owner, uh, Stan Kroenke. He now has championships in four sports, including football, hockey, and 
also in soccer. So kudos to the owner. For Miami, you got to take your hat off to him, guys. You got to take your hat off to that organization for getting this far in the playoffs. That's for sure. And kudos to Jimmy Butler. I know a lot of people want to pile on to Jimmy Butler, but remember, he had the ankle injury. He toughed it out. He gutted it out. He suffered that in the Knicks series. So who's to say that hasn't been a factor? Jimmy Butler is a guy you want in your foxhole because you know he's going to fight. He's going to claw. He's going to give you what you need. Sure, he didn't shoot it all that great in the final game, but he's a guy who I would want to go to war with, that's for sure. And Bam out of Bayou. Bam out of Bayou was solid in the series, guys. He was solid in the series. If he had some competent help around him up front, maybe he looks even better. But it was pretty much him and that's it. Kevin Love was on his last legs. Cody Zeller, forget about him. He needed big man help. And for him to do what he did, I take my hat off to him. But it's the other guys, you know. A lot of them were undrafted players. And it's a tribute to Eric Spolstra that he got this team far with that kind of talent. So definitely hats off to him. I do think he should have probably, because Matt Struess was giving you nothing, guys. I think he should have switched up and started Kyle Lowry instead. Seemed like Kyle Lowry, as the playoffs went on, he got stronger. So I do think that's the switch that he should have made. But, you know, again, you take your hats off to those guys. That's for sure. In terms of their salary, $171.2 million for next year. Remember, Tyler Hero, he signed his rookie extension. So we'll see how they're able to add. In terms of free agents, Victor Oladipo, who went down with that torn ACL in the playoffs, unfortunate for him. He has a player option at $9.4 million. My assumption is that he will take that player option. Kevin Love, Matt Struess, Gabe Vincent, Omir Gert7, who I don't even know what happened with him. He was another big, maybe he was hurt, who knows. And then Cody Zeller. So those are your free agents. Does Miami need to add another star? A lot of people talking about Dame Lillard. Him being a possibility. I heard the name of Russell Westbrook bandied about. But remember, Dame is under contract with Portland. So will the Portland ownership, will they say, look, you gave us all you had for this organization. We need to go and rebuild now. Bring back younger pieces. So... We're going to ship you out. So, will they do that? Who knows? And then also, I mentioned Chris Paul. But again, I think that's a situation. Kind of a lateral move because you still have Kyle Lowry there. So, it's kind of like the same situation. So, And then, what to do with Tyler Hero? Now, he had that hand injury. It kept him out most of the playoffs here. He didn't get a chance to play in Game 5. From what I hear, he was annoyed about that. So, you know, you have him under contract the next four years. So, having a Tyler Hero, would that have made a difference? Absolutely, it would have made a difference. Provided he was healthy. I understand the trepidation about bringing a guy like that into this sort of situation. I do get it. What to do with Duncan Robinson? He still has three years that he's on contract for at $57.4 million. So, what do you do in that regard? 
He's a guy who can light it up. Does he give you more than that? And then Kyle Lowry has one more year left. A little less than $30 million. Does he get waived for them to get up under that contract? And then we say a goodbye to Adonis Haslam. Three-time champion for the Miami Heat. Stayed there his entire career. So definitely hats off to him. Oh, by the way, he was undrafted coming out of the University of Florida. And he's been there through the Dwayne Wade years. The big three years with Wade, LeBron, and Chris Bosh. And now into this era here. So, Adonis Haslam, we salute you. Enjoy your retirement. I'm sure you'll be on the sideline as an assistant coach, perhaps, with this current Miami Heat staff here with Eric Spolstra and those guys. So, definitely kudos to Adonis Haslam. All right, guys. So, that is it for me. One other bit of news I wanted to mention. It's not NBA-related per se, but the person is a big-time NBA fan, and that's Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is leaving Undisputed. He was there for seven years debating with Skip Bayless. You know him as a big-time LeBron fan. He is leaving. They didn't renew his contract, but the handwriting's been on the wall, guys. Ever since that situation with the player, Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bill who collapsed on the field, and his partner Skip had things to say about continuing to play the game regardless, and he caught a lot of flack from that. So much so that next day was a Monday. Shannon didn't even come in for that day because he was so affected by what happened on the field. Remember, Shannon Sharp, NFL Hall of Famer. So, of course, he's going to have empathy in that situation. He feel right going on air after that incident. So, Skip... Did the show by himself. It was cringy given the firestorm he was under. But he did it nonetheless. And then the next day Shannon came back. He issued a statement in terms of his absence and so forth. Of course it was concerning the young man. and His health and safety was his big concern. So much so that Skip interrupted his monologue. And then you have the situation where they were talking about Tom Brady and Shannon was pretty much saying that Tom Brady's on the, as I like to say, the back nine of his career. And of course, Skip blindly defends Tom Brady to the hilt so much so that he disparaged Shannon in the process of doing that. So when you have all that acrimony there, the handwriting's on the wall. So I expect Uncle. I don't know why I can call him Unc because me and him is the same age. I expect Shannon to go elsewhere and show his stuff. He he proved a lot in those seven years, that's for sure. So definitely props to him. His club Shay Shay. He did it under Fox, but I believe he still has the rights to that. So I'm sure that will still be in play for him. So I expect uh he he won't be solid. Shannon doesn't know how to be silent. <laughs> <laughs> but a great guy, great insight, so definitely props to him for the substantial career he has had as a talking head. Alright guys, so that is it. Guys, I'm going to take a little hiatus here. You got the draft coming up, so I'll definitely break that down in due time. The WNBA is heating up right now. I've seen some fantastic performances. Dewana Bonner, her 41 points against the 
Las Vegas Aces. That was tremendous. Sabrina Nescu, what she did against Atlanta. So you got a lot of things going on in the W. I'll be getting to that. But guys, I'll be taking a bit of a hiatus, little vacay time. So anyhow, so I thank you once again for listening as always, guys. I'm always encouraged when I hear, oh, you know, I'm listening, I'm tuning in. So continue to do so, guys. Of course, the website, allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. On YouTube, I got the videos streaming there now. So it's just going to be like a seamless process there. And of course, on your podcast platforms, social media, the whole bit. All right, guys. So I thank you once again for listening. Much appreciated. And we will talk soon. So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also on my anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also you can find me on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.